Hello and welcome to the Switch RPG Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gio, and I'm joined by just Johnny. What's going on, Johnny? Everything's good. Everything's good. In this episode, we are looking to bring you the best action RPG games of all time on the Nintendo Switch so far. So far. So far. Because we can't predict the quality of RPGs coming in the future. No. No, and I don't... And we I'm have a be, lot to say on the RPGs coming up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I don't know that anything can break into this list. This list is pretty solid. It's jam-packed. Actually, we have to we have to kick a few out. We did have to kick a few out. So we are going to bring you a list of 20 action RPG games. So for you folks who absolutely love the real-time combat in RPGs, this is the definitive list for you. But we did have yeah. to leave a few out, okay? Um, so we have one, two, three, four, five, six games that we had to leave off of the top twenty, and these are They're not in any. Pati- they are very good. They are very good. They just couldn't. They, they just weren't good enough. Not good enough. Not good yeah. enough. So these are in no particular order, but we'll kind of list them up here. So Wizard of Legend was a, one of the games that didn't make it on our list, but is also a, a good game. So Johnny, why don't yeah. you explain that one? It's a randomized kind of roguelike game where you're going to go through kind of like a gauntlet of levels with bosses at the end. I believe there are four main wizard bosses that you're going to combat, and Mm -hmm. when you kill them all, you win the game. You can kind of beat the game in about 10 hours. It's okay. And each run through the game, is fairly it's fairly short uh a full run if you beat the game from start to finish is only like probably an hour tops okay. uh but you're going to die a whole lot and every time you die you go back to the town uh and you're gonna take your i forgot what it was but let's just call it gold it might not be gold but whatever yeah the currency gold. And you're going to spend your currency to get various uh, loadout, upgradey type things to then start a new run. And you're kind, and each run you're just re-experiencing. Um, you're, you're getting familiar with the combat mechanics of the different spells they have access to, and mm-hmm. figuring out which spells combo very nicely with with other spells. Which ones you should you should keep with you. Which ones you need to drop. There's random loot drops in there, so it's very roguelike, but it's very arcadey uh, as well. So right. very, very solid combat. Yeah, I wasn't very. I, I'd heard of this game, but I didn't really know what it was. And you had mentioned another game that is maybe took inspiration from this, but looks very similar. Uh, we'll mention that a little bit later on, perhaps. But yeah, uh, Wizard of Legend did not make our top twenty. Another one. I don't even know why this is on the list, but hey, it's on here. It is on here. Uh, Terraria is an action RPG? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, fine. That's RPG written all over it. You are role-playing a bunch of people that started on this uh, deserted planet or or whatever that Terraria planet thing is, and you are building society from the ground up, and definitely from the ground first because you do a (laughs) lot of things. (laughs) A lot of digging. So, unfortunately, this did not make our top 20. Another one was Torchlight 2. Now, I had put in quite a bit of time into Torchlight 2. It felt like a cheesy version of Diablo. It didn't quite feel up to par. It didn't feel like it had that... that Whatever it was. Uh, but it was, a, it was a good game. It did have what you want in kind of your 
isometric RPGs. It had the randomized loot. Um, it had a really cool feature. I don't know if this was added later on in its, in its iteration, but it had a pet system where your pets can actually uh, bring stuff to town and sell it for you automatically. So you can continue playing it and your pet's doing some of the kind of the stuff for you. I, I thought that was, oh, cool. yeah, I thought that was really, really cool addition. And I don't know any other game that really does that. Um, but I don't know. It just felt kind of, it just didn't feel right. The story was, uh, it was okay. You know, it just didn't have a lot going, going for it, I guess you could say. Um, but that is Torchlight 2. Um, another one, and there are a couple of these games on here, free-to-play games. So we have Warframe um, and Dauntless. Dauntless is your Monster Hunter alt, uh, Monster Hunter World, not clone. I, I can't even call it clone, but it's kind of what it's trying to do, right? It's trying to play off, play off a Monster Hunter World, and it does an okay job, you know. Um, but again, it is a free-to-play game, so you kind of have to deal with a lot of those uh, free-to-play mechanics where you're buying into it and, and possibly kind of paying to win, I guess you could call it. But you're not yeah, really... It... Go ahead. Oh, I, I was... You can complete your statement. Oh, I, I would say, it does, you're not really uh, necessarily competing against other people, so it's not a really pay-to-win, pay to I guess. You're just trying to... You're just essentially paying to finish the game faster, I, I guess you could call it. Yeah, pay, paying to access harder monsters to fight by getting ge access to gear to use to fight them sooner. It's uh, it's just a watered-down monster hunter, yeah. which is why it doesn't make this list. Sure. Um, another one was, and I mentioned Warframe. Warframe looks really, really good. Um, yeah. I, I think it, it, of these games, it probably looks the best. Um, if you're unfamiliar with Warframe, it is kind of like you're a third-person action RPG where you're in these kind of kind of frames, these kind of mech, mech suits, or they are they are your character. You're not in, there's no one in them. Um, but it, it reminds me a little bit of it's got a little bit of Destiny, I guess, going on with it. Uh, but again, it's got kind of those pay-to-play, kind of pay-to-win mechanics. It's a free-to-game, but they kind of catch you. A little bit that way and it's kind of i think it's an mmo as well some people kind of consider it an mmo yeah th there are parts of the world that multiple people can inhabit at the same time most of the game you're going to be in on your your spaceship yep. kind of by, by yourself fine-tuning your your gear your weaponry uh to min max and stuff like that and then figuring out the materials you need to craft the next better iteration of gear that you need to then tackle harder and harder missions. The missions themselves, though, are kind of a little boring. Gen or, generic, boring, maybe? Repetitive. They're okay. very repetitive, and they're pretty straightforward. They're, there's not a whole lot of depth there, and also not a lot of depth in the storyline either. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, they, that also didn't make our top 20. <clears throat> the last one that didn't make our top 20 is Dragon Quest Builders. I really, I didn't put any time into two. Dragon, uh, I'm sorry, yes, Dragon Quest Builders 2. I didn't put any time into this, so I, I, I mean, maybe that's why it's a little, it's out of the top 20. Maybe if I had played it, I don't know, maybe I would like it, but it's kind of your um, Minecraft-y type of game, but with a lot more RPG elements, I guess you could yeah. call it. I, w I would say it definitely tops uh, 
what Minecraft does, RPG and combat-wise, action-wise. Sure, and I'm sure there's a lot of narrative in there. There's a lot more story uh, development in there, but... That, yeah, that is Dragon Quest Builders 2. So now we are on to our top 20. And at number 20, so let me just say a little bit of how we got to this list, okay? So I came up with 20 RPGs. You came up with 20 RPGs. We ordered yeah. them. And this is essentially our list. So we kind of ranked them in there. And there were some areas where we kind of kind of fought a little harder for where they should be in the top 20. So... There was some bloody noses. I did cry a little bit, but we we're over it now. We are over it at this point. And and to clarify, we actually came up with a list that was far more than twenty. <laughs> and we threw out a few games too. So yeah. So we have, we have and some of the games that we threw out, we kind of didn't want to. We had them in the the recommendation stuff, right? The the little tip of the hat, like, hey, you're good, but not good enough. Not good enough. All right. Why don't you give them number twenty? Number 20 is Rogue Legacy. It is uh, quite an excellent game. It's old. It came out on PC many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of... It didn't... It didn't revitalize the, uh, the rogue-like sort of genre. There were other games that released prior to that that have uh, kind of made roguelikes become so popular. But... Rogue Legacy is kind of the embodiment of what a roguelike should be, okay. especially in modern, in the modern roguelikes that we experience today. They all kind of owe a lot to Rogue Legacy itself because Rogue Legacy did a lot of fantastic things uh, regarding its loopback and how to minimize the punishment of permadeath or, right. or pseudo-permadeath that happens and to incorporate a sort of nice little feedback loop. And there's some games that are on this list a little bit higher up that owe a lot and I'll call them out, but they owe a lot to what rogue Lexi did before them. Right. And, and this is a game you, you had mentioned it and you know, I did look at the gameplay and it's just not anything I would play. It does remind me a little bit of monster boy. I know that is doing something very, very different. But yeah. it just didn't it didn't look appealing to me. Um, but I could see where and appreciate it for what it is. Whereas it's it doesn't really rip your guts out when you die. There is again, there's that that feeling of accomplishment when yeah. when you do die. You can kind of carry over some of that over to your next playthrough. I guess you could call it. And if anyone's wondering what the combat's like in that game, just think uh, RPG Castlevania games, and that will give you a very good idea as to what to expect for mm -hmm. the combat. Because there is a big giant, the game takes place uh, going through a big giant dungeon uh, castle, yep. and that castle, every time you die, gets re-randomized again, and you have to re-explore that castle over and over and over again with random loot placements and enemies and rooms and whatnot. So... It's not a good speedrunning game. <laughs> well, you can lock the oh, okay, the dungeon layout so that if you die, you can kind of lock it in place what the prior one was before it gets re-rolled and re-randomized. So you can, if you like the layout of a dungeon, you can kind of or of the castle, you can kind of lock that in place and play it indefinitely. Nice. That's actually a pretty pretty cool feature. All right, so next on our list at number 
19 is a game uh, called Ashen. Ashen is a, a, a Souls... I, I hate to say it, is a Souls-like game. Is it a game that is fo- prim- focused primarily on combat, um, and, and it's more of the dance, okay? So it's more of that one-on-one combat. It is a third-person action RPG, and I love the, actually, the environments. The character model himself is a very minimalistic kind of look to it. Uh, it's got no facial features on, on it at all, um, but again, you go through, it's, it's got the same loop elements as as dark souls and i and i hate to go back to that because but i ha- but i have to that's clearly an inspiration right uh but it's got it's got it does the combat justice it does a really great job and it does have a little bit of a, a co-op or i believe actually it is co-op so it, it, there you go johnny you got to play this game you love co-op games <laughs> I, I've tried playing, you know, Soulsy style co-op games so so much, but no one ever wants to co-op with me on those games. Oh it's man, fresh. well it's too bad. But Ashen again is uh, I love the environments in the game. I love the enemies um, and what they look like, the characters in this game. I do recommend this game. It is the epitome of an action RPG. It is definitely a game that you'll want to play. And even some of the tags, if you look at some of the tags on like Steam, one of them is Souls-like, it's it's on there, okay? It's on there. So Ashen, I believe we reviewed it on the site, got really well um, rated. So that, that is number 19. Number 18 is a game I just completed, Trials of Mana. Trials of Mana is, uh, is a remake, uh, a 3D action remake of Seiken Detsetsu... Is it three? Three. Yep. Three. It is, uh, again, another... Um, it's a third-person action RPG. I love... One of the really... The main things I like about Trials of Mana is how the stories... Re- no matter what characters you pick, if you pick... You you start off with three, and that's the only three you get to pick, or you stay with the entire story. But the party members that are the other characters you do not pick from are still intertwined in the story and matter. They add to the to the complete narrative. So you get to you don't get to see their side of things or whatever it is they're doing, but you get to see glimpses of what's going on. It almost makes you want to play replay the game over again. And it's got all the other things you want in an action RPG, right? It's got the combat. It doesn't really it it does a good job with it. There are some issues with like uh like camera um locking on a target and your camera gets all wonky. You don't know where where things are. Kind of get lost in that in that situation. But it's got spells. It's got um it's got big major uh skill or attacks. It's, it's got it's it's great. I absolutely now you never you have not played. You played the demo though. Uh, I have not played the demo. No. Yeah, what are you waiting on? It's. The demo is free. You can get it on the eShop, Johnny, okay? Uh, and for anyone else there, uh, I do recommend getting this game. I love this game. And actually, I just completed the game, and I would st- still keep it on um, at where it's at here at number 18. Number 17. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. This is kind of a throwback to uh, kind of your isometric action RPGs with Diablo-esque. Now, it doesn't have the random loot, um, but it's got all your, like, a ton of Marvel characters in here. And you can pick, you can have so many different combinations 
at one time and each and some of the combinations give you certain bonuses so for example if you have a a bunch of wi uh, women on your team you get certain bonuses to certain things or if you have certain like i think it's deadpool and wolverine whatever you get a certain bonus there uh so there's different different tactics you can choose by depending on who's in your party um and one of the really cool things the stories the story is actually really good uh, the dlc that's available for it is actually very good as well uh but one of the things that is so awesome is when the the synergy attacks so basically uh someone does their special skill another party member does their special skill and you can combine this up to four different times and it's just some big epic thing that happens uh it's just it's so fun to play and again it's co-op johnny what are you waiting for uh a sale <laughs> yeah sale. that's a good one yeah so that is at number 17 uh johnny take over number 16 here and number 16 is Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. And I know the game had a rocky, rocky launch, but it's been patched multiple times and yep. has got some fairly definitive patches that have spruced things up. And just, just the nature of the combat and of the action, because this is Castlevania Symphony of the Night style gameplay. You're exploring this big giant castle environments, uh, multiple different sections to it, caves and libraries and whatnot. Uh, it tickles all of those fancies. It's got a very satisfying loot grind uh, system where uh, that you are being rewarded in multiple ways for killing an enemy. Mm -hmm. You're getting rewarded through experience. You're getting rewarded through drops. You're getting rewarded through the shards that come from that enemy. You're getting rewarded for potential uh, ancillary loot, like uh, that they're not crafting material-based stuff, like uh, consumable items, gold, uh, etc. So each of these things, or uh, for the other uh, avenue for killing something and getting rewarded for it, uh, is just completionist. Because if you fully, if the enemy fully drops all the things that you're wondering what they drop, right? All those question marks right. get replaced with this enemy drops these three different things. So exactly. it almost builds up a, like a library, right? Yeah, it does that, and you get this essential monster manual or or monster encyclopedia of here's all the enemies in the game, here's where they're located. And here's the loot that they drop, and all those details, more more information gets filled in as you go through. Mm -hmm. And this just happens when you kill just one enemy. All of these possible rewards are coming into play. So it is so satisfying and so rewarding, not only to just kill stuff, but then to know that uh, when you start to dig into like the the monster book and stuff like that, to like when, when you're when you're planning out like okay. I want to craft this sword, or I want to craft that piece of armor. Uh, I need to get these materials, and the game just shows you, like, oh, if you want to get this material, you have to kill these types of enemies, and right. you, it gives you access to all that information, so you can kind of figure out. And that's sort of like the end game, uh, the mid to end game of 
bloodstain ritual of the night when you are really starting to figure out what your builds are going to be both skill set wise with the shards you're equipping but also with the weapon types that you're going to use and with the armor sets that you're going to use so much so that they give you a they give you a shortcut mapping button i think it's the l trigger that uh once you hold it in you can have like eight different loadouts for equipment and shards uh so that you can quickly change out your build on the fly as you're combating enemies uh i had a sort of farming build that had very high luck uh to improve my drop rates as much as possible i had a build for regenerating mana as quickly as possible i had a build for like doing crazy damage there's just different builds that you want to keep with you and the fact that they're all mapped to this button it it just it's castlevania fully realized in bloodstained ritual of night with all the other elements of excellent combat it's very fast paced there's uh combos that you can do there are hidden abilities that you can activate within a weapon or 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 some piece of uh gear that you're using that gives you access to something new and it's you could do like uh the little street fighter fireball motion all of a sudden your sword does something new right uh, in addition to the regular skills that you have access to like weird hidden stuff like that uh, you get familiars, they can level up uh, as you uh, battle through, and the more levels they gain, the, the more uh, they can support you, the better they can support you in combat. There's just a lot to it, mm-hmm. in addition to excellent music, excellent visuals, a fantastic castle environment to explore with its own little puzzles and mazy type things to interact with, and then just tons of enemies multiple enemies at the same time that are coming at you with very different attack uh attack behaviors and attack patterns and ways that you need to combat them so just a phenomenal game i would it would be higher on this list it's on 16 but it would be higher if it wasn't for all the drawbacks that the switch version shipped with yeah and and that's partly to do with me because it was a little lower on on my end a little higher on your end i think it was um, mostly because, yeah, I initially played this game, it had the, the kind of the rocky start, and I had to immediately stop playing it until it was fixed. And I would say it was about maybe a couple of months or so into its release that it, it finally got a decent f- enough fix for, you know, it was not, it wasn't unplayable, but it was, there was some, there was, it was rough. It was, it was really rough. Um, and I never went months. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it was that long. Uh, but I, ne- I never went back to it. And and maybe it is a game that I should go back to. But again, I love Castlevania Symphony of the Night. This compounds on that. So, you know, yeah. it, it is definitely a game I should be going back into. Yeah. It it is a better game <laughs> than Symphony of the Night. Yeah. Just no doubt about it. Sin- Symphony of the Night gets you know more notoriety for you know being the OG. Mm-hmm. But Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. It is the better game. Yeah. All right. Next we have on our list, we have Dead Cells. Now, this is this one of the games that you, you need to go back and and uh, give a little bit of, uh, you know, Rogue Legacy mention again? Is this one yep. of them? So number 15, Dead Cells. This is a tip of the hat to Rogue Legacy because Dead Cells kind of has that same exact loop 
Uh, it borrows so heavily from what Rogue Legacy did before it. Uh, and it, it's not just borrowing from Rogue Legacy. Uh, it, there's obviously a lot of other games that have come about, but Dead Cells is that Rogue Legacy loop. But the combat is so much more fluid, so much more responsive, throwing its fairer yeah. uh, in in many senses as you're not there are some instances where the enemies in Rogue Legacy can kind of fly, especially the flying enemies, they can fly through the environment. Now oh. that can also happen in dead cells, depending on certain types of enemies. But for the most part, it's a little bit more grounded and polished on the combat to a very satisfying degree. You have that dodge roll. You, if you, depending on your build, you can have a shield to block uh, attacks. You can do uh, the kick. <laughs> uh, you can kick stuff. You can have this electric whip. You have like many different types of attacks. You can right. shoot stuff from far away, not only with a bow, but with other things. You can throw traps on the ground. You have hand grenades. You got cooldowns to manage. And all these things come into play. You know, one iteration, you know, one death cycle after another, after another. And the environments are constantly changing. But then you can also unlock shortcuts or you find out ways to skip ahead through shortcuts mm -hmm. to further parts of the game. And there is, you know, death isn't so bad because there are ways to cash in and progress your character even after death. So it is a phenomenal, very tight, very awesome uh, combat, uh, just action RPG. And it, it's just, it's a lot faster. It's a, it's a more upbeat, a lot quicker a lot of yeah. fast fast timing. I do want to say that that electric whip was my favorite weapon. <laughs> I, I absolutely love 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 that weapon. Uh, so I was always hoping to get it. I I, I don't in, in every run, but yeah, um, very quick quick run game, fast paced game. Yeah, and, and that and that is a little bit to its detriment. Uh, some of the there are elements of speedrunning in the game that the developers put in the game, and it's very unsatisfying when you're not playing with a speedrunner mindset, but yet you see these gates that you cannot have access to that you know there's good loot in there, mm -hmm. and they show it to you. Well, they don't show you the loot, but they show you the gate right. that you can't get through because you do it fast enough and that's not very pleasing but more it's fine it's just something to mention as a little nitpick but a bigger issue i have with the game is how chaotic uh some rooms can get just by the nature of the random spawning of enemies there's just too many enemies at the same location that are delivering too many attacks at the same time that makes it near impossible to dodge uh, correctly, and you can go from from doing a very good clean run to all of a sudden running into a combat encounter where you're now dead. Right. Yeah, it can it can go bad really quick. That's that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, number fourteen is a game I had an incredibly difficult time with. Um, I just need to get good. I need to get better. It's a two D platforming. Souls-like game, Salt and Sanctuary. I had a rough time with this one. Um, and again, it's a little lower on the list, but mostly because of me and and me for my 
hatred of how bad I was in the, in this game. Uh, but it, it's it, again, it's got that same gameplay loop where you're playing. It's a, again, it's a two D Souls like game. So if you're thinking, you know, you have your your iframes that you're dodging enemy attacks in a two D space. So uh, I found that that part of it really difficult for me. I think that's I couldn't wrap my brain around that for whatever reason. But again, you have salt, which is treated as souls, and I don't I don't know what the bonfires are in this game, but it has something similar it, to that. It's the sanctuaries. Sanctuaries. There you go. Salt and sanct. I'm putting it together. I'm putting it together. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of use that currency, the salt, to kind of level up your guy, and it has a lot of the same. Uh, attributes as well to level up. Yeah, and, and it is a slower-paced, more deliberate combat system. Uh, it is 2D, right? As you said, mm. it's very Castlevania-esque as well. I would say it's a kind of a good marriage between Castlevania, uh, the the RPG Castlevanias, and Dark Souls, and and or or the Souls-like games. Yep. It's a good union between those two because. There is a big world that you're exploring, uh, which has castles. It has a bunch of other environments as well. And it is, see, they are interconnected in a way. There are shortcuts that open up areas to other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And you're always traversing it from one area to the next. But in addition to that, there are, as you're traversing from one area to the next, you are acquiring items that are giving you legitimate new gameplay abilities that allow you to access other areas, very much uh, reminiscent of the Castlevania, the, the Metroidvania formula of games. So you combine Metroidvania-style games with a very nuanced, heavy, slower-paced, hard difficulty, uh, Souls-like difficulty combat system. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where Sultan Sanctuary falls. And, you know, it... There's a lot of things to praise about Dead Cells, but when it came down to Dead Cells versus Salt and Sanctuary, I had to place Salt and Sanctuary just a little bit higher than Dead Cells, so, which is why it comes at number 14. Yeah, it just does combat or action just a little bit better uh, in a more, um, not I guess you could call it strategic way, whereas Dead Cells is kind of frenetic. It's got that frenetic action, um, and Salt and Sanctuary, like you mentioned, is a little slower, methodical um yeah, and, and and the world is not randomized as well, so right. it, it is something that is you know handcrafted versus dead cells, which is yes handcrafted but randomized. So. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and give them number thirteen. Number thirteen is Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, and this would be higher up on the list if the Switch version wasn't a terrible, terrible 3DS port. Monster <laughs> Hunter is fantastic now yeah this is not you know monster hunter uh world and in all of its fancy graphical shenanigans and whatnot but this is the biggest content filled monster hunter game out there this has everything and then some all the monsters well maybe not all the monsters but it has a whole lot of them different varieties of them your G-rank missions and all that stuff. Uh, the only problem is the port, the sloppy port that was handled with it. But when it comes to Monster Hunters games, 
Like, they are absolutely, if you've never played them, they are absolutely fantastic. Some of the best multiplayer co-op RPG experiences you could ever get. It's nothing but boss battle after boss battle after boss battle. And these boss battles are oh so good. Mm -hmm. They require lots of analysis, lots of studying, some degree of patience. You need to do homework for this? It's really as you're as you're fighting the boss. If it's your first time, the, the a particular monster, you are learning as you are fighting them, and it is such a in a, a thrilling, epic experience. Even with the most uh, early game of of big big monsters to hunt, and then as you get even more familiar with the process and familiar with your weapon and its move set and comfortable with that, your skill set improves, and then you move on to harder and harder monsters because you don't level up in Monster Hunter. Mm. You get better gear. So your progress is directly tied to your gear. And you won't be able to progress unless you get good. And once you get good at a certain monster, you then get the gear from that monster that you felled, which then allows you to die a whole lot on the next hard monster. (laughs) (laughs) And, And then to get good again. And then to get gear again to then right. progress to the next harder monster. It's just it's a very satisfying, very awesome uh uh loop and especially when you're playing with other players. Yeah. There's nothing else like it. Yeah, I mean been- everything you just said sounds fine until you actually look at the game. I'm sorry. The game just doesn't this wasn't even on my list. Um the game just doesn't it's not appealing whatsoever. Yeah. And um, I, ha- I have I have a few other issues with it. I, I think if we had the Monster Hunter World experience uh, with actual Monster Hunter World, I would so be into that. I would definitely be in all over that. Except this is what we have. We have the terrible 3DS port. I think the, the worlds, uh, the segments are really, really small. And then when you go from one segment to another segment in the world, there's a terrible loading screen that looks really... Um, I don't know. It just looks way off-putting to me, and yeah. I, I don't know. It just it just feels too small. It feels like a 3DS game, and and I don't I don't want that experience. I want my Monster Hunter World experience to be. I mean, my I'm sorry, my Monster Hunter experience to be like Monster World, and that's. Well, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I would say they should have ported the. Uh, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate from the Wii U. Right. They should have ported that to the Switch and and enhanced it with additional content and whatnot. Right. But they didn't do that, and that is that's really the big folly. Otherwise, Monster Hunter had, if it was 3 Ultimate, or if it was especially if it was World, it would have the potential to be you know top three on this list no question asked like monster uh, hunter combat and action and i don't know about that maybe if it was worlds yes if it was monster hunter world i yeah i could i could see that but the um but man what we got was just not it's not the monster hunter experience i want to yeah. be honest but it's it's I got have- it's got that loop though it's got that combat it's got the the big boss battle after boss battle and the studying. I love all that stuff. It's just give me something that's better looking. And hey, maybe they are working on something. I hope. Yeah, it, 
And placing this version of Monster Hunter at number 13 is a bit of a stretch, I admit. I admit mm -hmm. it's a bit of a stretch, but that's a testament to how good when Monster Hunter is done right, like 3 Ultimate, like World, yep. it is amazing. Right. Oh, man. Give me that Monster Hunter World. Next on our list, we have at number 12, Yeast 8 Lacrimosa of Dana. Now, this is a Neo, Neo Falcon game. It's... Uh, I think you mentioned this. It's just a very solid overall game. It's good at everything it, it does. Not great. Maybe not great. Maybe it's got some great aspects to it, but it's just really solid in all of its aspects. It's really solid in its combat, solid in its skills, uh, spells, that sort of stuff. Solid in its narrative, environment. I think there's a little bit of lacking in its environment, but, you know... Uh, it's 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 good. It's it's just good overall. Our action RPG, I I would say anyway. It it's it's sort of like a good uh, baseline mm -hmm. by which to judge pretty much all the other action RPGs by. Meaning, like, are you better than these? Then I I should really <laughs> pay attention to you. Are you worse than these? Uh, you know, are you are you a, very you know a lot worse than these? And maybe you're not worth my time. If you're just slightly worse than these, well, maybe you're still worth my time because these is really good. Yeah, yeah, it, you're right. It's just kind of it's in it's in the middle um, of everything. But it's always one of the recommendations for RPGs in general on the Switch. So, uh, Yeast Eight Lacrimosa of Dana, number eleven. Man, I really got to get this game. I, and I mention this all the time, but go ahead and, and give me number eleven. It is Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer, featuring The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I listened to the entire soundtrack. It's like five hours long. Nerd alert. It is, I, and I just did this recently, like over this past weekend, I listened to the entire soundtrack while doing other stuff, but it is so good. It is so good. So yeah. good. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's, it's a very... Very unique game. It's a rhythm, rhythm action RPG. Right? I mean, there's really no other way to, to get around that. And uh, so you're moving along the grid, and so are your enemies. Your enemies have a certain move set that they kind of do around the grid, and you're kind of bebopping along to the rhythm of the music because that also gives you benefits. Yep. And again, you're just kind of traversing dungeon after dungeon. And I'm not sure, I again, I have not played this. Is There has to be some sort of narrative, right? There's some sort of something going on behind the scenes, yeah, right? There is a story. Also, uh, there are some places in the world uh, as you're exploring through. Like, for example, the, uh, I don't know if it's called Kakariko Village, but there is a village uh, that your house is in that you don't have to worry about the rhythm of the music. Oh, good. You can kind of almost free roam uh freely you're still moving in a gritty way but it's it's not you don't have to worry about the rhythm of the music so you can kind of move pretty quickly and talk to the various npcs that are in that town or, or in some other sections of the world and the overworld itself now being that this is a roguelike style game you're going to die and then you have to kind of start all over again from the beginning but you, there are many things that progress along with you mm -hmm. for example if you beat a dungeon that you know that that progresses with you. you collect major hearts that progresses with you you collect certain types of 
items that is going to stick with you as you die. But there are other aspects that are going to get that are going to change and get randomized. Um, I could be a little wrong on the heart thing. It's been a while since I played it. But okay. uh, I will say that when you do die and you start over again, you're going to be able to spend a currency of sorts. I forgot what the currency was, but you're going to spend some sort of currency to sort of build out another baseline or to increase your long-term progression of, of certain abilities and stats and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that's very satisfying. But the overworld that you're exploring through, like you would typically get in a you know Link to the Past style 2D Zelda game, your overworld doesn't change. It gets randomized once the first time you fire up that, that save file, but all the dungeons that you're going into and exploring and, and conquering, uh, looting and conquering the, the boss in, those get randomized every time you enter them and every time you die. So you're, you have the benefit of having this, uh, this overworld with its own big giant map that you can freely explore that is unique to your gameplay session and your save file, but uh, doesn't change. Yeah. Uh, so you're able to sort of memorize that, but get the benefit of randomization via the dungeons when you finally delve into them. Hmm. Oh, got to get it. It is excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Now, you would recommend this over Crypt of the Necrodancer, mostly because it's maybe a little bit more polish. It's got the Zelda themed stuff. Yep. Yeah. 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 That puts it over the top there. There's so much love that came into this game just from the soundtrack and the music alone. You can yeah. tell this was their dream. The, however, this deal came to be. <laughs> they, they were in they were in ecstasy they were you know 11 out of 10 the entire time through yeah you can just tell you, you can you, it, it definitely has that that look and feel but yeah it, i gotta get it got 20 out of 20 full hearts right there <laughs> all right next on our list is number 10 number 10 we're breaking through the top 10 here uh dragon's dogma dark arisen Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen is a third-person action RPG, and it's it's kind of it's I guess you could call it your poor man's Witcher Three, but this game actually came out before the Witcher Three. This game came out initially like in what 2013 or something, but it it was just set as the Dark Do Dragon's Dogma. And then it got an expansion and kind of like a they kind of added stuff and fixed a lot of things in the quest line with the Dark Arisen expansion and. It's just it's it's I in my opinion this has a better combat and it does combat better than The Witcher Three. Um, I love the the enemies in in this in this game. Uh, for example, you take on I think it's a, a chimera or it's it's like got a lot of that like I guess it's kind of the same stuff as The Witcher, same kind of enemies uh, that The Witcher Three invokes. Um, but it's got a lot of cool. Um, spells and locations it's an open it's one of the actually the first ones that we've mentioned on here that's an open world um rpg it's got uh pawns you can bring along with you that are actually from other people so other people put their 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 pawn uh into this kind of like this pawn hub world wait i should not say that right pawn hub 
Anyway, sorry. Um, anyways, it's got this <laughs> this world where you can put your pawns in, and you essentially take other people's pawns. You're actually leveling up their character as well. So you can take up the three of those guys, and so they're they're helping you out. So it's just your party of four just going on and just taking on dragons and and all that stuff. So. I absolutely love, love, love this game. I always recommend this game because it's, again, it's an older game, but it's, it's new to the Switch and it plays really, really well on the Switch. The music is cool. The, like I had mentioned, the enemy designs are cool. It's got a lot of customization, a lot of branching narratives. Uh, it's got everything you want in a cool Western RPG. And and this is the definitive edition of it. It's it's got it's all got, the expansion mm-hmm. elements to it, and all the enhancements that came to the PC version. The Switch version has all of those fixes and and updates that made a flawed game when it initially released on on console made it better because they just took the extra time to polish and refine the the rough edges of the game. Right. Stay away from the Pawn Hub world. Uh, next on our list at number... Oh, oh, oh. Just just wanted to let people know. Okay. Right, if they're wondering the criteria... I should have brought this up earlier. Criteria that we're sort of assessing the placement of these. We put a bigger emphasis on the action elements, but it's not solely... We're not basing this list the rankings of these games solely on their action. We're basing it on the entirety of their RPG-ness. <laughs> uh, and the overall quality of, of all of that, in addition, with a little bit of extra emphasis on the action. But this is not solely based on just the action of these action RPGs. So uh, some of these games are just so good quality-wise, even though they're not as good action, uh, they are highly up there but there's also some games that are excellent action and are not so good on everything else and they're they're also on here so Mm -hmm. take that in consideration we can now go back to number nine (laughs) number nine uh a game that got a lot of uh i think it got a lot of hate when it was originally released what's that deservedly well not all the hate wasn't on this console it got a lot of love and praise, and I, I'm not one of them. Uh, Diablo 3 Eternal Collection. So this is the the culmination of every single, all those, all the expansions, the fixes. We got it. We got it all included. And you can be, you can have Ganon, um, Ganon's armor set. You can have, a th- what is it? Is it a cuckoo that you can have or a pet? I don't, I don't know. Uh, they Nintendo fight it a little bit. Uh, but it is it is a Diablo game. It, a lot of people know what Diablo is at this point. It's an isometric action RPG where you're you got tons of enemies, tons of <laughs> blood and gore, a lot of numbers, sk- skills. Um, I, I think it's a little it's a lot more simplified in this where you're how you level oh, up your character. You don't think it is? No. Nah. I, I think it, the change that they made, and I think it's a brilliant change, how they got rid of the character build system where, where okay. you had the skill tree, they had to level up. They got rid of it, and instead they made it uh, you acquire new abilities that you then select as part of your loadout, your your active build, and they give you they kind of give you the keys to the car. Think of uh, think of 
they, they basically allow you to change your build on the fly, on the fly whenever yep. you want, mm-hmm. instead of having to roll a brand new character, which is something that you had to do in Diablo 2. There was no respec option in Diablo 2. And in Diablo 3, they, they got away, they done away with that because they wanted to encourage respecking, changing your build, you get in, you level up, you get something more significant in your level up, which is a brand new ability or a passive, whatever, whatever that skill may be. That is way more interesting to me than getting another point to put into a tree that I already pre-planned where that point's going to go. So it's like, oh, I got the points, now I can get 5% more fireball damage. Right. Big whoop. Mm-hmm. What, what they're again, what what their um, level up process uh, promotes is, say for example, you get this new item, an item you weren't even looking for or trying to get. That item can start a build, yeah. totally totally different th- again than what you were thinking, and all of a sudden you can take all your points off and just kind of build around this one little piece of armor that you're like, oh wow, this is pretty cool, and then you can just build your set, build your skills around that one piece of armor. Um, and then eventually fill it all, all the rest of your armors in. Yeah. yeah it, as you just said, right? Like you, you got a chain lightning skill that you never use, mm-hmm. but a piece of gear dropped that gives chain lightning. Uh, it, it bounces, uh, to five more enemies. Right. And yeah. now you're like, Whoa, I gotta try that. And then <laughs> right. you, you cook chain lightning and you shoot an enemy and then it bounces to five more enemies and it kills, you know, instead of one, it kills six enemies and you're like yeah all right this is my build now right yeah and you could just kind of like spawn off an idea off of that um one thing that it does kind of lack and that's just this is just my opinion is the narrative is eh, and and the end game is is uh, i don't know it's just it, it needs it needs something else so ultimately you just keep playing for the like the one special piece of or you know your ultimate build set and that's it yeah but, that's what Diablo is all about. Yep. But yeah, it, it is phenomenal. And I, uh, it is a great, great, solid, solid game. Mm-hmm. As you said, the biggest flaw is the story and the plot and how they handled that. That is the biggest flaw of Diablo. Yeah. The combat is excellent, top-notch stuff, but it's not anything new. And I will say, it actually plays better on the Switch compared to uh, PC. It plays, because- It plays really well, yeah. Because you have that dodge roll, which is something that the PC version does not have. It doesn't have makes, that. It doesn't have that. And that makes a big difference when you have a dodge roll in addition to your cooldown defensive abilities. You got yeah. that dodge roll as well. That's super useful. Wow, I did not know that wasn't on the on the PC. I, I initially played it on the PC, but I got to admit, the console version, it, it plays well on a controller. Uh, I had I had no no issues there. The button mappings are, are really well. The action is it's just constant, constant action. I, I love it. Um, I, I do like the gameplay style, so... Yeah, Diablo 3, Eternal Collection, number 9. Number 8 plays a little bit off of what Diablo does in terms of isometric action, but I think it does some other stuff maybe a little bit better. And, and that is narrative. I think Children of of Morda at number 8 is just a notch above Diablo 3 because of its its narrative. I I absolutely love the story in this game. 
not to mention the combat is really good. It's kind of it's your roguelike game, dun- roguelike dungeon crawler, I guess you could call it. Yep. Um, yep. But it's got that it's got the Wizard of Legend touch to it. So you, we had mentioned Wizard of Len- Legend as an honorable mention. This game plays off of that, um, and it and it does it it does it better. It does it. It, it yeah. does it better. It is a like I said, it's a roguelike game. You're it's it's not permadeath. You're constantly improving you or even your family or your family members. There's a lot of skill upgrades there, and you're always getting you're always driving the actual story forward, which is what I really like about this game. Uh, the, the only penalty for dying is your run through a dun- a subset of dungeon levels. That run has ended. Yeah. But you're not losing any progress, right? You're in whatever items that you acquire during that run, that you lose that as well. But you're keeping all the experience you gain. You're you're getting that goal that you collected. You're going to use that mm-hmm. to further progress uh, your family, your your build, uh, your characters, and how you build them out. Yeah. I th- like I had mentioned, it does it does. Great thing. So you can play as I, I don't remember how many characters it is off the top of my head. Let's say it's six family members. So you can level them up individually, but then you have the uh, another thing where you can unlock or uh, level up the family. So the family gets bonuses, and I think that's just a, a kind of a cool mechanic that was implemented in this game. And and it encourages playing multiple characters. Because they'll, even even if you like the playstyle of one particular character, playing the other characters will make the character that you really like playing better. Because mm-hmm. you'll, they'll become stronger because of those family bonuses that you unlock. Right, and every character plays different. So you have ranged characters, you have close up, really close-up melee characters, uh, sword characters. Like, there's just so many different playstyles. And one of the things that is kind of cool, so if you... I really liked Linda. Linda was the archer, and I think you feel the same same way. She's probably one of the better characters. And if you play too much of the same character, there's actually drawbacks. So you actually do less damage. You have, I think it's less HP as well, but you do less damage. So it almost it's it's encouraging you to really kind of play other people as well to figure figure that out. So yeah. This is one of the games I always recommend. It was it's kind of a kind of a hidden gem, I think. Not many people really think about Children of Mortar, but I absolutely love Children of Mortar. And it has co-op. It has co-op. That's that's your, that's your thing. It's excellent. Number 7, a game no one's probably heard of, but we're still going to mention it. Uh The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Elder Scrolls V is it's a this game is available on everything. I mean, heck, I can play it on a toaster. Um, it's it's just it's just everywhere. I remember when this game first came out. Um, I had been playing Fallout Three. All of a sudden, Bethesda's like, you know, we're coming out with Elder Scrolls again. It's Elder Scrolls Skyrim, and you can fight dragons. And I was like, what? It was it was just insane. It's an awesome, awesome open world RPG, and. Like there's just there's just so much to do. It, it can be kind of overwhelming. Um, 
Like, just like, where, where, where do I start? What do I do? What do I go see? It's almost like, like you just go see, you just see something off in the distance and then off, off you go. And then the main story just sits there and waits, you know? And they reward you for just going off the beaten path. They, they give you that, that objective. Like here's the next major story thing to do. Like, here's where it is. Here's where you need to go. Right. That little dot on your, uh, on your compass. Uh, but you don't do that. No. You go somewhere. You, you see something off in the distance. That looks interesting. You just go there. You go off the beaten path, and all of a sudden, you go down this rabbit hole of multi side quest oriented things that just become more and more engaging and interesting. When I first stumbled onto the uh, the Mage College, oh yes, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. But then I got there. I'm like, this is a school for mages. And I spent, I did, I did all the quests over there. I, I, I it got crazy uh, just following that completely side thing that you can miss. You can absolutely miss that. Mm-hmm. But that's just one element from one area of the world that I just happened to explore. Now, there's other parts of the world where they'll refer to one another. So you. They give a lot of hints as to interesting places to spot and locate, but there's so many places all throughout yeah. the world to that you wanna that is worth your time exploring. There isn't a single place that you tr- go to and travel to that won't be worth your time. It's yeah, just a I, good time everywhere. I feel like I felt like every building was open. I could go in every single building and you know talk to people or steal their stuff or wh- whatever. Whatever I wanted to do, it was just so much fun. Now I will say, like the the actual combat, like the spells are 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 on par, but the actual swordsmanship, I guess you could say, feels range a little. Yeah, the range combat's good too, um, but just like the, it, it's a little floaty. Like the sword handling and hitting, it doesn't always feel like you're hitting, you know, spot on. Um, and I think most of that is from just it being first person. Now there is a third person view. I don't really recommend it. It doesn't, it's not how it was intended to be played, but yeah, yeah, this it's a, it's a prototypical Western RPG. Got tons of branching narratives, man. What a good game it is. And it's, and it's the reason why it's on everything, you know, um, because everyone should be playing this game. It really is everywhere. It, it, yeah, it's legend. It's legendary. Everyone's everyone's aware of it if mm-hmm. they haven't already played it. It's just absolutely fantastic. And the Switch version is essentially one of the definitive versions of the game that you can play. And it even has like uh, Link outfits, right? Like oh, that's right. Yep. Breath of the Wild tunic, blue tunic thing that you can wear and whatnot. They Nintendo fight it a little bit. Nice. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I I have not played it on the Switch. I played it on I think it was on Xbox. So, um, yeah, number seven, awesome, awesome, awesome game. Number six, another one, kind of in the same vein as as this, kind of one of your legendary games, The Witcher Three Wild Hunt Complete Edition. Again, you had met, just mentioned it. It's it's the ultimate version. It's got all the DLC. It's The Witcher Three. Graphically, it's it's a little it's um. It's better than maybe Elder Scrolls, and it's running on the Switch. This now, obviously, it's we're not running PCs here. This isn't going to look exactly like that, but for what it is to run on a 
inferior hardware, it is it is awesome, and it's got everything else you want. It's got the 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 good action combat. Uh, it's got the fantastic. I I I love the Witcher lore. I'm I'm big into that. I've read books. I've watched the shows. I'm all into the Witcher. Um, now the Witcher three does stuff a little bit different, but man, is it good! It re- re- rewards you for that that exploration, and also the side quests feel they're interesting, and some of them are meaningful, um, except for Gwent, not meaningful. But we'll take up your time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I loved. Absolutely, I, I, and and, I, and me myself, I prefer The Witcher Three over Elder Scrolls, but they are both el- excellent, excellent games. Yeah, yeah, they're they're excellent, and and there is a time difference between the two, right? Like, right. I think it's like five years uh, difference between Witcher and Elder Scrolls Five, or or maybe four years. There was a, a fairly significant gap between the two. Almost, and, a, almost a console generation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, act, actually, it is a console is generation. It a, is it? Too. Yeah, because uh, Skyrim came out on the 360 era. There you go. Okay. Well, that, that, uh, that'll that do it, right? Yeah, and, and the big thing with that Witcher just absolutely nails is just the immersion into this world. And it does not break character whatsoever, except for probably uh, Gwent. <laughs> <laughs> Other than Gwent, like, you're not breaking character. You're, you are in this world, and the world is always going to be uh, appear as as grounded and realistic within its own uh, definition of realistic as it can be. Mm-hmm. And it's never going to sort of deviate from that. And, and everything that you're experiencing will make sense in the context of, the, of this excellent presented world that it gives you. Right. And it, and it gives you things like you go to random towns, you, you look at the little uh, bulletin board thing, you pick up a bunch of side quests that could be, you know, kill this monster that's been terrorizing stuff. And that just turns into its own little mini adventure. And there's right. just. And so even many- like you, they go, go kill this monster. It turns out like it's not even a monster. It's something that you may want to save. I, I've dealt with mission, side quests like that in, in there. Um, and, and it includes the DLC. The DLC is actually like if the Witcher three is a massive game and yeah. then the DLC on top of that is, it makes this game even more massive. I don't think like people complain because this game is like, it's a miracle that number one, it's on a, a cartridge, a single cartridge. And like, it's just, a Oh, like I, I forgot what I was gonna say. The the DLC alone is is fifth at least fifty hours, and that's not even including the the main game. And the DLC is actually really 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 good. Blood and Wine and oh shoot, what is the other one? Um, I I don't remember off, off the top of my head. Um, but they're they're actually very very good. Yeah, it could could be a little too daunting. To, to yeah. sort of pick up and go, because Witcher 3 is, as you said, it is a big game. There's mm-hmm. a lot of content there, and sometimes, you know, big, giant, content-heavy games with hundreds of hours of playtime is, uh, you know, can be intimidating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Number five. Man. Top five. Top five. I quit. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Go ahead, Johnny. Number five is 
Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. And uh, this, this is an excellent, excellent iteration of an excellent prior gen game that has been brought to the Switch with all the extra content. So Tales of Vesperia was exclusive, at least in the West, uh, on the 360. But then they made a Tales of Vesperia in Japan with extra content, uh, uh, essentially an expansion to the game and its world and, and its characters. You actually had another character, playable character in your party mm-hmm. in that place, uh, PS3 expanded version that was Japan only. And that never made it here to the States until Tales of Asperia Definitive Edition, which has all of that and the added uh, the additions of running a full 1080p 60 frames per second during combat. Just very nice, fast, fluid, uh, beautiful looking game back then. Still a very good looking game today and the fact that everything is presented as best as it can be. And for a Tales series game that had uh, this one was one of the more mature, uh, more complex, uh, nuanced storylines that's out there. And the combat is both easy to get into at first, but also gets layered on probably about uh, a third of the the way through the game. There is some significant more layerings to that get added onto the combat that really start to make it uh, come into its own. And then you combine all that with the whole multiplayer co-op mm. that uh, this game allows. And it's local co-op too so you can just hand someone a controller and you tell them do you want to play as the dog with the pipe or do you want to play <laughs> as the kid with the big giant uh, stick <laughs> or do you want to play as the the girl that that has uh, two colored socks uh, two yes. different socks on. <laughs> like, like, like you pick like there's later on if you want there's going to be this girl that rides a, a whale dragon yeah yeah i i agree i mean i didn't get to i it took a while for me to grasp the combat and and to be honest i didn't really like the combat um but i liked everything else about it i i like the the narrative i like the in the aesthetic the look of it the overworld was was okay it wasn't too you know it was it was just okay um, but everything else, like the the music was really interesting. The characters are, again, are very, very interesting. The dog with the pipe. I didn't get it, but it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, I, and I think with, with me, I just needed to, um, I just had some sort of mental block with the combat. I don't know what it was. Uh, I think I do need to give it another shot because I feel like I'm missing out on this. It's it is it is a very very solid game. It's it's not the best of Tales combat games, but when it comes to action RPG, Tales is essentially what you would see the uh, a Tales game or the Tales series is what you'd see in the encyclopedia definition of action RPG. It's like Tales has done it for so long mm-hmm. and has done it so well for so long that it kind of gets overlooked, but it is a tried and true. Just like how uh, traditional JRPG, you know, Dragon Quest is so traditional in being that turn-based, you know, style RPG, Tales is the action, the traditional 
action RPG that's right. so tried and true that doesn't deviate too much. And Vesperia is one of the best of the Tales games. Hmm. I gotta, I gotta give it another go. I'm missing out on something. Number four. Oh, every time I look at this name of number four, I've, uh, I, I, I quickly so want to go to Amazon and just buy this game. Go ahead and, and give it to me, Johnny. This is like the monkey wrench in, in all of this. It's really? all the way at number four, and this thing kind of came out of nowhere. It is Astral Chain. The the game I never I was never into cops at all. Never into like cop movies or TV shows or anything like that. Detective stories and whatnot. I was not a Batman fan. Like <laughs> like all that stuff appealed to me, but for some stupid reason astral chain just just the weirdness and quirkiness and just blatant copiness of this game and it is a copy game it, it is so copy i'm not saying copy like you know copy printer i'm like talking policeman police yeah. yes you are a legitimate police officer this is you are if you want to role play a police officer game forget about L.A. Noir, forget about that. Mm-hmm. This is your game because it just does not not. So it's from Platinum Games, so you know the action, action. is going to be absolutely solid. Yeah, and I can easily say this is the best action game by far that uh, Platinum Games has ever put out. And I own Bayonetta one, Bayonetta two. I've played games that Platinum Games have made that weren't. Prior to when they were Platinum Games, right? Heck, we've de- is- we've dedicated an almost entire podcast to Platinum Games. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I played Vanquish. Like this is their best one by a landslide. There are so many different things that are going on in the combat, but they layer it. Uh, it is a little intimidating at first because it is very different. Yeah, but uh, especially when you try to learn your just your baton, your your police baton has three different modes of function where it and each of those modes has their own combo system to it so you can do range attack with your baton where it turns into like a gun baton you can do fast combo heavy uh just regular baton attacks or you could turn your baton into like this big giant two-handed uh you know almost big giant great baseball baseball bat kind of things baseball bat sword thing uh and just cricket bat almost like a cricket bat <laughs> uh and just whack enemies two-handed style to really lay on the that heavy heavy damage that's needed in certain scenarios and all of those things are just half of the worry that you have to do when it comes to the other side of the game which is the astral chain that connects to this chimera creature that is essentially your buddy <laughs> your little uh, your little police dog or weird <laughs> archer thing or sword dude or weird like juggernaut gauntlet i don't know big giant thing i don't know what to call it it's like a titan a thing giant it, giant monster thing yeah you kind of like ride inside it's almost like a mech suit as well like each of them have their own unique abilities their own unique play styles they can have an ai uh temporarily control them they have their own unique Activatable powers with their own cooldowns, and 
you can control them at the same time of controlling your own character where your your character is on the left stick and the uh, astral chain connected chimera that you are also controlling at the same time is on the right stick. And you have to manage both of those. And depending on the positioning between your character and your astral chain character, that you can use that to your advantage. For example, if the enemy is about to do a, a dash attack towards you, you can split the difference between your character and the other character and stretch the chain across that so that the enemy dashes into the chain. You then catch them and sort of clothesline throw them uh, to the environment. There's like crazy stuff you can do. You can sort of wrap your your chimera chain, astral chain around an enemy to bind them in place to then do big heavy combos. There's There's a lot. To the combo system and and to just the combat overall and then there's the other half of the game of just exploring doing detective work yeah uh, talking to various npcs taking notes finding clues and there's multiple clues but you don't need to find them all in order to to, pro- to progress the next story beat but the more you find the more thorough of a detective you are the more points you're going to get. Also, you get quizzed. You're sort of piecing together as as you sort of uh, find enough clues. You don't find you don't need to find them all, but as you find enough, you can kind of talk to another individual and piece together. Like, oh, here's what I think happened based on the information I found, and they quiz you on that. And you have to be fairly savvy. You can always look back at your your notes that you've been taken throughout and sort of come up with the best possible answer that you think is correct. And that will have an impact on your scoring and, and, and your progress in there. And you get rewarded for that. You get rewarded for killing enemies, whether it be just from regular experience or for drops that can happen from enemies. Uh, just There's a lot to the game. And then the world, just existing within the world, it's very different. It's not the world as we know it. It is a very different world where right. aliens and and have taken over most of the planet <laughs> and now you live on like this weird island uh special tokyo uh thing <laughs> that's it's bonkers it's weird it makes sense as you play it and it's just it's incredible it's a well thought out game well thought out world and the story is actually good it, it's not throwaway right it's not something that is uh it might actually make you tear up oh boy I don't want to do that. I don't want to cry. I don't want to do that. Uh, Which one thing One thing you left out, actually a couple things you left out, it's visually stunning. Oh, yes. yes. It is it's gorgeous looking. I love, the, it, I love the look at it. And when people say the Switch can't do graphics, I mean, I just point them always to this game. And look, look at this game. It looks awesome. It's and, beautiful. And you can pick up trash. You can clean up the streets. We don't want trash. We don't want trash anywhere. You can be a good Samaritan. You can play ball with some kids. Yeah. <laughs> Astral Chain number four. Wow. All right. Yeah, I, I got to get that game. I that's that's a game that's so high up on this list that I so want to get. I got to do it. Yeah. I'm not doing it now. I will do it. All right. Number three. The top three. What have we left off? Number three. Xenoblade Chronicles two. Now, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is another one of those massive games, right? It's kind of an open-world RPG, J, uh, JRPG. 
and this game threw me by surprise because I I knew I never played the original Xenoblade. I never I hadn't played the Xenoblade Chronicles X. I jumped right into this. Absolutely fell in love with this. Wait, you played this before X? Before X, yes. And you played X after playing this one? Yes. Wow. Okay. So I did things very backwards. Yeah. And the music, phenomenal, right? The gameplay, the combat is the most unique combat I had ever played. It felt, it is, and you had mentioned this, I think it was with with Astral Chain. They layer on the mechanics um, and it it can get very complex. So initially you're just doing kind of, um, uh, not regular attacks, but you're doing, um, what is it called? The arts. Uh, yeah, the arts. And and your positional um, area kind of matters on the enemy. So whether you're behind them or kind of on the side of them, that matters. And then they layer on another thing where you you can launch enemies and then smash them down. And then they so, layer on... Driver arts. Yes, the like... Uh, driver combo. The driver combos. Driver combos are... Jeez, um, uh, I'm, I'm getting a, a brain Great. fart here. Topple... Launch. Yes, yes, those are the those are the driver combos, and then they layer on uh, elemental bursts, so they add elemental damage to this whole situation. Well, and there's also the the before the driver combos is the blade combos. How 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 can I forget that? Yeah. So this is again they they layer on all these things, but it all makes sense and it feels so natural. The progression. There are some areas where it can be a little grindy, but the progression for the most part. It, it all it all makes sense. Yep, and, and and you can travel from one part of the world to another seamlessly. It's fast travel, right off rip, no questions asked. If you've been to that place, you can now fast travel back and forth to it whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Some very small caveats to relating to story uh, changes and whatnot, but you can fast travel anywhere. Which means you can always return back to different world, uh, different parts of the world to do more side quests, to farm more particular things that you feel like you need to farm or, mm-hmm. or to satisfy or to just salvage. Like sometimes you just want to go to a different part of the world because you like the music in that world or you like how it looks, right. and there's a salvage spot over there, and you want to make some money. Make money. Um, another thing with the combat, it, it felt it felt so natural. Like there's just there was so much to it towards the end it felt like a kind of a rhythm rhythm game um you can you can as you're attacking you you can cancel your attacks and it does kind of more it does more damage it's just the environments are beautiful the 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 narrative is very for me it was very very interesting the voice acting for the main protagonist rex it was okay um, I could, some people were irritated by it, but I, I, I didn't mind it. Um, the mini game is awful. Do not play the mini game. Um, what is it called again? Um, what was oh. it called? It was oh. the diving game. Yeah, but it was essential if you wanted to get a certain blade up to a certain level. Uh, which was probably one of the better blades in the game, I think. Um, it, it's probably the best blade in the game just because of how versatile it was right exactly but there's 
Poppy is the name of the game. Uh, I'm sorry, Tiger Tiger is the name of the game. Poppy is the name of the the blade. Tiger Tiger. We never would have gotten that. Nope, (laughs) never. Um, (laughs) But it is an absolute must buy. If you're an RPG fan and you you haven't played this game, you're doing yourself a disservice. As much as I am doing myself a disservice by not getting Astral Chain, you have to get Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And like I had mentioned, this is my first jump into Xenoblade Chronicles. I have yet to play Xenoblade Chronicles, the, the original. I played Xenoblade Chronicles X after this. Um, and, man, what a fantastic game from beginning to end yeah it almost perfect almost yeah. actually perfect in my opinion it was perfect and, talking and about X or two? what's that you're talking about x or two? Oh, two. Yeah. <laughs> x has its appeal um x is great but two yeah two is as you said it's pretty much perfection it's the story is absolutely amazing mm-hmm. the characters and the interaction and and the the camaraderie of the characters is awesome, and in some moments, it is tear-jerkingly excellent. Right. Uh, some some moments, it's quirky and stuff like that. It's got it's got a good range there. Uh, but you know, excellent story, visuals top notch. Some of the best visuals you'll get on the Switch, no questions asked. Like um, in do- in docked mode, in handheld yeah. mode, it can. You know, it's hit or miss there. I played it actually primarily in handheld mode. It goes to show you that. And it doesn't really run well in handheld mode. And I that's where I primarily play, played it. And I absolutely adored this game. Absolutely. Yeah. And excellent exploration. If you just want to explore worlds, like these are some of the best worlds that you will ever want to explore. And they're rewarding you for exploring them, whether it be through drops chests or or just getting the landmark uh the special finding those special hidden landmark right. areas uh different unique monsters that are speckled throughout the world then fighting those unique monsters and getting those little time little trial things and getting the unique loot from them and then there's there's so much to the game everything it does other than the voice acting is some of the best you'll get in any RPG ever. Right. Get get this game. These yeah. top top three games, get them. Yeah. Get them. All right, so that is number three. Number two. You, you know what? You give number two. <laughs> number two, and we don't have to spend too much time on this because everyone's played this. It's The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, I mean, it's obvious. You want to talk about like amazing combat? You want to talk about amazing action? You want to talk about an amazing RPG experience? Well, look no further, because Breath of the Wild has all of that, and it and it dishes it out to you. It doesn't even dish it out to you. It is like a buffet of the best foods you could ever want, all your favorites at the best quality that they could be, and no one's looking. No one's going to judge you. Everyone's having a good time. Yeah. And you just take as much food from from this this smorgasbord of, of items uh, that you want. And you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. And that is Breath of the Wild. You're making it, me hungry. You're making me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, again, it is a, it can be, it's, 
as massive as a game as you want to make it, right? So initially, you're 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 Link, right? You're awake from this this uh, uh, stasis, okay? And you essentially you got to get yourself off of the plateau, the Great Plateau, and your primary objective after that is just kill Ganon. And you you do what you will of that. Like you can go and try and try to kill Ganon, or you can try and get help from your friends and and kill Ganon. Um, the, the and, ex- and killing Ganon, you win the game. Like, like you could get off the Great Plateau in the first hour and then go kill Ganon and win the game. Right. You could beat this game in just a couple hours. Who is, who is going to do that? No one, because the game is just... You're not going to do that because it, it's just so good. It, it's, it's the ultimate distraction Game. Right, because you're you're off the great plateau, and you're like, oh, what is that? And you just go, and then you get to wherever it is you were looking at, and then you're like, all right, what is that? And you just you just go anywhere, do anything. Um, the experimentation with the runes and just the environment in and enemy kills are is is awesome. Um, for example, you could take some metal crates and you can use that as a weapon. There's just so many uh, different varieties of things you can do with enemies. A lot of, like I said, a lot of experimentation. The music in the, I guess you can call it outside of towns and cutscenes and battle scenes is very minimalistic, and it's done. It does that on purpose, and it's perfect. It's perfect for the way the game looks and feels when you're out and about. It doesn't need to be a hard driving soundtrack when you're out and about. It's just it's just there. It trickles in, in and out, and it just does a great job with the kind of the the tone of being out there. Um I think Zelda herself is a is a great character. I actually wish there was a just a Zelda game being playing as playing as Zelda, like a really good one anyway. And at just, I, I just, I love Zelda as a character. Um, but yeah, breath of the wild, you can do and just go wherever you want. Yeah. Every, everything, absolutely everything in the game is up to your discretion. Even mm-hmm. storyline, you do not have to learn more about the storyline. Unless you want to. Right. And it's completely up to you to decide. Yeah, you don't you, have to learn anything, mm-hmm. or you can learn it all. Right. You can fill in your memories and just kind of piece together why you were in that time stasis area. I forget and, the name of the place. And and you'll be rewarded for it. You'll get an extra, you know, an extra bits to the ending of the game based mm-hmm. on whether you satisfy a few certain key conditions to the game. And that will give you the a definitive, you know, kind of ending to it. There's so much to it, so much to enjoy, so much to explore. Towns galore, NPCs galore, with their own unique quirkiness. Just just by them being. (laughs) There are some (laughs) quirky, quirky characters, and then there's just lots of side quests that you can go on. And some of them are just presented to you. In the most non side quest way possible. Right. All they'll say yep. is talk to an NPC and they'll mention, oh, yeah, there's this rumor of this thing over there. It's not even something that shows up right. as like 
do you want to accept this? Yes or no? Here's what you're going to get as a reward. It doesn't say that at all. It's just you talk to someone, they mention something at some other part of the world, and then you could go there, you could not. There's no pinpoint saying go to this place. But then you go there, and lo and behold, that little rumor that you heard is true, and you can actually like do something there. Now, there are other side quests which do give you a place to a marker yeah. on the map. There are some of those, but there's a lot of other areas where you just overhear the rumor or you see a flyer, a poster on a wall, and there that is related to something else in the game. That the game it just doesn't none of it is shoved in your face saying, here, here, here's what you need to do next. None of it. Some may say that this is the best Legend of Zelda game. It is. It is. Absolutely. Even I'll take my nostalgia glasses off. Link to the past. Sorry. This is this is better. Yeah. All right. Finally, number one. What have like those those two games, Xenoblade Chronicles Two and Legend of Zelda, are phenomenal, phenomenal games. Yeah. What haven't we mentioned? Well, it's... we've we've mentioned like oh. Games that are like yes yes this. yes so games that are like dark souls remastered yes. um wait this is this dark souls remastered is very souls like in its combat right so it <laughs> so i mean i it's another one of those it it takes um i guess the legend of zelda breath of the wild took a little bit of a a little bit of this out of, uh, out of dark souls whereas the story is what you make of it okay so you can deep dive into the story by looking at item descriptions, listening to NPCs. Like the story is told through item descriptions. Like who, who in their right mind reads all that stuff? I do. <laughs> <laughs> so the story is is just it, it is what you make of it. So you can really get involved in and and take the story all in, or you can just not just kind of skim over it. Now in terms of what we're doing here, we've provided you a list of the best action RPGs, and I and I think, and again, it's a culmination of just action and then RPG. And this thing, th this game does it all, like to a T. Okay, the combat is, it's a it's a choreographed dance every time. You have to be perfect. You have to be precise. Um, the RPG elements are now you you do have a non voiced protagonist. But everyone else around you talks, providing you the story, and it's almost it's you and I have this debate with Dark Souls um, as it's I don't think it's a Metroidvania. I think just the world loops back in on itself as you open up shortcuts. But you kind of consider that as Metroidvania. As am I right in that? It's absolutely a Metroidvania. All all of these different environments within this world are all interconnected with no load times in between them. Right. But my, my, right. But my interpretation of a Metroidvania means that, yes, you can go back, but you need a certain power to go back and open up that area. That's kind of my interpretation of that. Yeah, the, the item gating is what met, uh, you know the Metroidvania style games do. They they do item gating. Even uh, a link to the past is a Metroidvania, or right. or just the Zelda games are Metroidvanias as well, because they also 
item gate mm-hmm. uh, access from one dungeon to the next or one part of the overworld to the next part of the overworld, right? And Dark Souls actually does have that to a smaller degree, mostly with keys. And, yeah, yep. and sometimes with uh, defeating bosses, where the boss themselves will become the gate that unlocks the next uh, part of the world. But items, there are some items beyond keys that do give you access to other parts of the game. For example, the, uh, that, that teleportation item does give you access. Uh, I think I was called. I think it was called like the black chalice or whatever. Mm-hmm. That allows you to start teleporting to different to all the different bonfires that exist within the world, and that gives you access to stuff. When you ring the bell, that gives you access to other parts of the world. It's not so much a power up or an ability that you're now going to also use in combat. It's not so much that, or or something that gives you better platforming to a different part of the environment. So you can kind of, the skills you have at the start of the game are going to be the same skills that you're going to have at more or less at the end of the game, or you could beat the game with, that, with those same starting skill set. Mm-hmm. You don't need to rely on anything else that you have acquired afterwards in order to beat the game. Right. It'll be very hard. <laughs> <laughs> very hard. There are people who do it. There oh, are yeah. Pe- <laughs> there, there are the nude runs. Yes. Um, but. Again, as I was saying, this that uh, each each combat occurrence is like is like a dance, right? It's like a dance off, and you have to be very precise. Where even your distance between your 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 character and your enemy, when you go to swing your your sword, if you don't hit it with the meat of the sword or the right part of the sword, you're not going to do the maximum amount of damage. And there are people who have done all the math. Like this game is that precise. It is. It, if, if you bring a long sword into a tight corridor, you're going to, and you swing that thing horizontally, you're going to bang it against the wall before you even hit it against the enemy. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that, okay, I can't do horizontal wide swings. I got to do thrusts or use a shorter bladed weapon, like a dagger, in this very tight corridor. Uh, else I'm gonna constantly bang it up against the walls or what have you. So it's it's down to that level of exactness, that level of refinement to the combat system. It is very accurate, and the best the best compliment about uh, Dark Souls is that you're gonna die a lot, but you're gonna know exactly why you died, and you're you'll know. It was because of your own fault and not because of some random, you know, bull shenanigans right. that happened against something that was outside of your control. Right. Everything and that happens in the game is completely within your control, and it's just a matter of you failing and not not the game causing you to fail. Right, and that's where the term "get good" comes from. Right, it's from yeah. from this game. It's really you have to get you have to get better. You have to be better. And, uh, yeah, this just, and this, there's that sense of a accomplishment when you get stuck on an enemy, right? And then you finally figure out its cadence, you figure out its moveset and you work your way around it and you kill an enemy that you've been stuck on. It's just that sense of accomplishment is, it can be so overwhelming. Like, oh, thank God I made it. And then onto the next difficult enemy. 
and yeah, I Dark Souls three is actually my preferred, my favorite of this of the Dark Souls series. Um, yep. but we don't have that here. We have Dark Souls remastered, and it is a really good remastered version of the game. It's the best iteration of the original Dark Souls game, and Dark Souls deserves special recognition for spawning not only a fantastic franchise, but Bloodborne comes from Dark Souls, Mm. uh, Sekiro comes from Dark Souls, and all the other Dark Souls or Souls-like games, which we have mentioned on this very list, like Souls, Ashen, right? it, Dark Souls is responsible for spawning all of that. Right. It is such a huge legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you ever wondered what happened to the Castlevania franchise, Castlevania went nowhere. Dark Souls is Castlevania. Bloodborne is Castlevania. Bloodborne's closer. Yeah. Closer. <laughs> Way closer. Um, but that's our list. That is our list. What do you guys think of the list? Is there something that we did not put on there that you might have stuck in there? I really don't think so. Um, nah. If we forgot it, it's because it doesn't belong on here. The ratings might be a little off, though. Maybe some people would put, uh, you know, uh, Trials of Mana at number one. Sure. Of Dark Souls. Sure. I mean, there, but it's on the list. Yep. It's on the list. So that's going to wrap up today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. It was a little, something a little different than what we usually do. Uh, remember, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Give us a review. Um, and also head over to switchrpg.com for all your RPG needs on the Nintendo Switch. Until next time. Goodbye.